Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here for a free-for-all Friday with George Mays. What's that, man? I like how you put that emphasis on the the end of my name. Yeah. Z's for sleepy. Sleepy George. Is, is, that, what, is that what that stands for? Z's. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm all right. I woke up a little bit late, but I'm okay. I'm here. I appreciate you checking in on me this morning, though. I thought you might be out manhunting last night. Oh, yeah. Out for the guy uh, on the loose. So what happened? You're from Cash, so you could maybe you have a little bit more of the story than I've heard. So this someone tried to rob the Hoppin' Sack. I think it was the Hoppin' Sack. Was it Hoppin' Sack, Larry, or the other gas station? I think, like, I think that's what I heard, the Hoppin' yeah. Sack. Is that the one across the street from the school, or is that somewhere else? Where is well, that? Well, they both are kind of across the street from the school. Okay. The Hoppin' Sack's across from, I believe, the 5th and 6th grade center. One of them's right across from the high school, but they're they're right. I mean, it's just only one road. Right. So they, uh, they locked down the schools for like four hours. <laughs> um, no one could li- pick up their kids. No one could leave. So Drake and Brooke were stuck in their athletic class. Oh, really? Yeah, in the, in the indoor place. So I guess they just got a million cuts in for baseball and <laughs> softball. Like, what do you do? <laughs> Sit there for four hours. Right. And, so uh, the guy the guy tried to rob the, the gas station with a, a knife? A knife. Okay. Yeah. Then apparently, I, I don't really know. It's a little hazy, the story, but he ran off and... I would think that in Cash, Oklahoma, it would be a little... A little risky to try to yeah, rob someone with a knife. That's what I would think. Yeah. <laughs> it was during the work day, though, so I don't think okay. there's not a lot of people out and about. But if you. it was after work, right? Like that's a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the way people just people just carry. Yeah. And uh, so he runs from police or whoever, and apparently there was a, sh- a shot fired, but um, that's not even real clear. Yeah. But they had this guy surrounded a couple times, and... Like it's over, release all the kids from school. Uh-huh. Oh, it's not over. He got away again, <laughs> you know? And uh, this went on like all night long. Yeah. And so it was like, I don't even know, close to 12. <clears throat> Phil- Philip sent me a text. He's like, hey, heads up, man. Looks like that guy's like headed over your direction. <laughs> so the last time they saw him was at, at the inter- like intersection of an airport and Gore. And I thought to myself, this dude's following the uh, the train tracks. Because I don't live by cash. Like, I live, I don't even know, like seven, eight miles away, south southeast of town. Well, the railroad tracks go from cash to Goodyear. So I'm like, this dude's following the train tracks. What's it sound like to me? Mm. Well, they never caught him. And then it's like, I stayed up until, like, I, I booby-trapped my house. I put out little sound, <laughs> like sound traps. You know, yeah. what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that he could awaken the beast and it'd be dinner time. For many. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Good luck uh-huh. with that. I told her before I went to bed, I said, it might be your time to shine. So, <laughs> um, yeah. She could, she could uh, sink those uh, about an inch and a half canines. Those are big canines, man. Yeah. I'll just show them to you. They're pretty scary. Mm. Look like a werewolf or something. Anyway, um, <clears throat> went, went in there to bed. It was like one thirty. Angie's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, it looks like the guy's around here. So get on the cash 
rant and rage deal. And it's like, he's a mile from my house now. Mm. Apparently he's a mile from my house. They're searching for him right up the road on Lee and Lee and Pant Road. So of course, Angie and I land there listening to the scanner Yeah, for, I don't even know how long. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to bed. There's no <clears throat> way this guy gets close to our house without many, yeah. like making the like loudest noises ever. Right. So I just got it ready, went to sleep. Okay. But then I got up, you know, normal time. So okay, got the old energy drink here. All right, ready to go. But apparently, this guy is—he's uh, uh, a professional fugitive. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they can't catch him. Someone tweeted the last one of the last comments was, "It's Jason Bourne." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, he can't be caught. What in the world? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild that they can't catch this guy. They must not have dogs. Comanche Comanche Sheriff's Department must yeah. not have dogs because it'd have been over right away. Right. Let the dogs out, you know. Hmm. They'd attract that. They'd attract them down quick. Yeah. So, yeah, Larry was telling me that would never happen back in the day in cash. He said people would have all got in their trucks, just, <laughs> just got all their guns out after him. Yeah, times are different now, though. Right. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see if they ever catch this guy. All right. That was my evening. Okay. Fun times. Yep. Well, what do you want to talk about today, Jay? It's free for all Friday. I've got some. I've got some free for all stuff. You got some free for, for all us. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. I've got some funny stuff, and I've got some serious stuff. You do. Yep. So let, let's uh, maybe maybe we talk about the uh, the Will Smith slap for a second. Okay. Well, um, we can. Uh, we talked about this on Tuesday. Mm. If uh, we'll plug if you haven't watched it yet, everybody's seen it. It's yeah. a slap heard around the yeah, world. Yeah, this um, I've got it up on the screen if you want to pull it up there just to remind everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it was wild. They said they asked him to leave. Yeah, and- more more information is coming out. They asked him to leave and he refused to leave. Yeah, which throws a little bit of a you know suspicion on his quote unquote apology during yeah. his acceptance speech. What's what is confusing to me about the whole thing? Like, as I've said to you before, like, uh, it's so bizarre because he, like, he's okay with his wife sleeping with other dudes, mm. but a, a, a joke about her hair trigger like triggers this type of response. Yeah, I watched. You I know watched, what I mean? I watched it's some so of that. Strange man. I watched some of that interview from several several years ago with him and his wife when they were talking about it, and it's it's sad and disturbing. Yeah, yeah. The way I mean, they're talking about it in an open way, but you watch you watch his face. He's not okay. He's with not it. okay with it. Yeah, yeah. He's not okay with it. But um, what's interesting is uh, more more stuff is coming out. And uh, the Daily Wire reported on this yesterday. Uh-huh. The headline is Will Smith to have therapy to resolve issues from his youth is the report. So um, the report is that um, after, um, after all of this has happened, Will Smith is going to seek out therapy to explore his quote unquote unresolved childhood issues that he is battling to save his career and reputation. So what's going on is a, a source um, has said that 
he was uh <laughs> we got to talk about some of this language that's been that's being used uh-huh. it's being thrown around by everybody says that he was deeply triggered by Rock's comments about his wife's alopecia as it took him straight back to his traumatic traumatic childhood Friends claim Smith reacted violently after he felt like a coward for failing to intervene when he saw his father brutally beat up his mother when he was nine years old. And so um, it uh, it turns out turns out that uh, he's going to go to therapy because um, he's got unresolved childhood issues that caused him to get up and slap another man in the face on live TV. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cry foul on this one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say that uh, blaming your violent outburst on your father for something that happened. How old is Will Smith? He's got to be. He's like he's fifty-three. A, is he fifty? Yeah. So something. That I used to watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air when I'd come home from school. Yeah. So something that happened forty plus years ago. Oh yeah. Come home. It's full um, house, full house and and it's Fresh Prince of Bel Air. To to blame. So what he's doing is he's saying, essentially, it's not my fault. I've got unresolved childhood trauma because my father beat up my mother when I was nine years old. Yeah. I don't think that that won't stand up in like a court of law. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. No. Like if if it was if there were like actual assault charges or whatever, right? Like that. I, I don't think I don't think that in a court of law that's going to be an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I, I, why? Why? Like why? Here. Here's my thinking of it. Right. Why not just wait till after? Like like privately. <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. Like there's some type of need I think mm-hmm. to be seen. Um, doing it right it like like i've said before i i think it restored to him some need of like manhood that had been robbed because Mm. she's sleeping with other dudes yeah and apparently like obviously he's not okay with it um that's what i think that's just i'm that's my theory yeah you know otherwise just hey you know give your look over at your wife and be like i'll take care of it later and she'll be like okay and then later, when no one's around, well, I mean, deal there's there's so many there's so many you know it's so, so weird str- there's so many threads to this story because, um, not a couple not but maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, she had posted on like her Instagram that she didn't care what anyone thought about her bald head. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not about the joke. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's about the joke. Mm. But the what I what I'm wanting to to really hone in on is is this fact that this idea that um it's not his fault he's suffering from something that happened to him Mm -hmm. and so the uh what this is doing is it's pushing off personal responsibility and it's pushing it onto somebody else Mm -hmm. and this is this is the problem with um with the secular world especially like secular therapy and counseling like this yeah the the idea that you're not responsible for your actions you are a victim yes. of something that's happened to you and so there is at least in a sense you're excused for what you did because something happened to you 
Right. So it's it's pushing it's pushing off that personal responsibility and that guilt. And so if he goes to therapy and this therapist, you know, helps him work through his childhood trauma, mm-hmm. um, it's going. It's not going to help him. I've known because a couple. The, because the reason why the reason why he got up like he did and slapped another man in the face and then walked back to his seat and yelled at him a couple of times and then refused to leave and then he was able to get up and give his acceptance speech and he's crying and he's talking about how he's trying to be an instrument of you know love and <laughs> acceptance in the world and it's because he's got a heart issue right yeah um his his heart issue might have something related to his childhood but that's not the primary reason why i think got up and did this it wasn't because his father beat his mother when he was a child the problem is that he's got a heart that has anger in it and so out of the outflow of his heart he got up and hit a person yeah i think it's a it's a it's a nice it's a convenient excuse yeah to blame to blame on that well i mean he's he's probably he's probably in damage control mode he's trying to repair what's happened i mean he's got this career yeah, I do. I do. In and a way. Uh, this this is not a guy who can afford to lose any more face. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him too because yeah. you know I think he mentioned in one in one interview that he had, had been raised around a um, Christianity to some degree, mm. and part of his therapy was shedding like feeling guilty over wanting to get with other girls while he was married. Did you see that interview? Mm-hmm. Um. I'm hoping that in the embarrassment, like like God would use it to uh, reveal to him, like his true need, right? Like that, like that he has got a he's got a heart problem, like yeah. we're talking about, mm-hmm. and maybe he'll re-explore, you know, and, and maybe read the Bible or something, yeah, and, and realize what's going on inside him <clears throat> himself. So. I don't. I'm I'm hoping that God will will bring genuine Christians into his life, not these kind of fake Hollywood mm-hmm. Christians who talk a lot about you know this generic God right. and love, um, but don't actually confront anyone with their sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like Denzel Washington has some influence. Right. with him there's video of him trying to comfort him um during a commercial break but i'm not i like denzel washington i think he's a great actor um I'm a little suspicious of his christianity yeah i don't i don't know what his background is i've I've seen him say some things before that would lead me to believe that he's that he that he is a christian yeah and you gotta give him props for saving the bible <laughs> That's right, and the you know, and yeah. the book of Eli, uh-huh. he preserved it right in his mind. Right, good movie, like that movie. Yeah, um, but, but I think I think kind of the the takeaway that I want to emphasize for people who are listening or watching is that um, you can't blame shift. Right. Like that goes all the way back to Genesis three. That's right. that's that was the first response of Adam and Eve when they're confronted with their guilt is well, it wasn't it wasn't my fault. It was the woman that you gave to me. Right. Well, it wasn't my fault. The serpent deceived me, and I ate. That's the same thing that Will Smith is doing. 
it wasn't my fault. It's because of something that my dad did. Yeah, exactly. it's the same. It's it it's got this psychological language to it that makes it sound like it's legitimate, but it, you boil it down to just it's bare bones and it's just Genesis three all over yeah. again. And that we're we all do it. We're all susceptible to it. We are the children of Adam and Eve, and we we do the same things. We yeah, want we, to, we want to we want to shift the blame to something else. It's not my fault. I'm a victim of someone else, some something that someone else did to me, circumstances. If if that person hadn't said this, you know, if Chris Rock hadn't made that joke, I wouldn't have felt the need to get up and slap him in the face. Right. Right. Um, but what the Bible calls us to do is it says that you're guilty for your sin. And the reason why you do something or the reason why you say something is because you have something going on in your heart. Mm-hmm. And you can't shift that to somebody else and say it's it's someone else's fault. Um, you have to take responsibility for it and recognize your your sin and your guilt before a holy God. And um, instead of making excuses for it, you need to repent of it. Yeah, that's right. What I've also found interesting in this whole thing is how uh, quickly the world reverted back to like our natural position, which is that women need to be protected. <laughs> women need to be protected by men. What's a woman, Jay? Right. What is what's this what's this term that you're using? How but, would you even define but all, that? But all that disappeared in an instant. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. like people like in they instinctively know, hey, men standing up for women, something about that's good. Mm-hmm. Now the way he did it, I think, is wrong. You know, like my kids have asked, Dad, what would you do if somebody whatever with mom? Well, first off, I'm not married to a weak woman who can't take who who can't take somebody saying you know mean words to her. Uh, so probably nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, you you uh, she doesn't care. Uh, she thinks you're stupid. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and then later we laugh about it together. Yeah. So like, I, the only time it's appropriate, maybe actually, for a man to step in is if there's some like threat of violence. Yeah. I think. You know, mm-hmm. men should be taught it's appropriate to use violence to protect other people, to protect the weak, to protect women and children. Um, but they should not use that unless it's required. And when is it required? I think it's required when somebody is threatening violence. Mm-hmm. Mean words are nothing. Like we used to say, sticks and stones may break well, my bones, but words will never hurt me. And then our generation always is like jumping on millennials because they get their feelings hurt all the time. Yeah, well, it's... And um, then this happens. Yeah, it's that... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that whole idea that words are violence. Right. I mean, this this is the this is the logical outcome to that, that way of thinking. If words are violence, then I can respond with actual violence. Yeah. Um, but um, it, what's really bothering me is the response of all of these... Uh, all of these, the people that were there, all these celebrities that were there, talking about how it's 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 traumatized them, and they were triggered, and they're still <laughs> triggered, and they're still experiencing trauma, and they they have no, they have no, they know something's wrong, but they do they not, can't even they can't, they cannot, they can't express what's wrong. They know that this is wrong, but they don't have a foundation for why this is wrong, and so they use these. They use the psychobabble of being right. triggered and and oh, real violence, and being, like tra- they and made being traumatized. And I was sh- I was shaking, and I'm still shaking, and I still can't get over it. And and um, well, they've made a whole career off of violence, yeah. and, then, and then the first time they ever <laughs> right. see it in real life, they like yeah, it like makes them want to go hide in a hole. I mean, this is this is even pretty pretty tame. It is yeah. like the the joke was tame. 
and Will Smith goes hey. and slaps him. Hey, hypothetical multi-universe. What if it was Dave Chappelle? <laughs> right. I don't think Dave Chappelle yeah. would have reacted the same there's way as Chris a, Rock. There is a uh, there's a, a different angle on the slap, and it 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 uh, it kind of focuses in on Chris Rock. And the caption was for for a minute there, he thought about it. His his fist is clenched. Yeah, yeah. That's some serious self control. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, he stood right back up, and I got to give props to that guy. That is some serious self control. Yeah, that that could have really gotten gotten out of hand. You know what's interesting to think about is like this is the type of thing Jesus was talking about when he said if somebody hits you or uh-huh. slaps you, yeah, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. It's this very type. Yeah, it's this because that slap he could have hit him right, but a slap is for insult. Yeah. It's to like belittle you, to right. demean you. Mm-hmm. And so this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, turn the other cheek. Yeah. And I don't, not, I don't know if that's in Chris Rock's mind. I don't think that I would. <laughs> but <laughs> A very loose comparison. Yeah, yeah. But that's right. it. That's it, yes. right? Jesus isn't talking about like if somebody actually is trying to beat you up, yeah. let them beat you up. <laughs> right. It's this. Yeah. Like you can see clearly this is no threat to Chris Rock's well-being. Right. It's meant to humiliate. Yeah. I'm just so surprised that he rolled with it like that. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting some comedic retaliation. Oh yeah, it's Will, coming. Will Smith is going to be absolutely annihilated as, as the by Bible says. As we'll talk about Sunday, you 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 sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think it's coming eventually. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, gonna regret <laughs> regret doing this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, what else we got? I've got a, an apologetics uh, story here for you, Jay. Okay. I was uh, was reading, um, and this headline caught me, as I think that it will catch your attention as well, Jay. We can throw that up on the screen for you. This is from BBC News: The hunt for Nigerians who can change in the cats. What? <laughs> what? This is from the BBC. Yes. Where's Amake? <laughs> Where is Amake when you need him? Okay. Amake, Amake is a, uh, he's from Nigeria. He's a member of our church, plays a piano. I'm asking, I'm, I'm calling him later. Are you? You're going to ask him? You're going to ask him Amake, about this? How long have I known you? And you haven't told me about these people that turn into okay. <laughs> what is What is this? Okay. So apparently in, um, in this Nigerian religion, which is, pantheistic i guess so it's like uh ancestral like oh there's voodoo magic uh you know juju whatever um apparently there are these beliefs that humans can turn in the cats um they have magic charms that will protect them from knives they can't get cut um and that they can make money appear in clay pots they can what make money appear in clay pots oh you got an empty empty pot, and you can make money appear in it. Hmm. And there are people, that even even like um, scholars in Nigeria that that believe this stuff. So this uh, this guy, he's an atheist, and um, I certainly am not going to pronounce his name right, so I'm not even going to try. But you can you can see it right there, mm-hmm. um, right there. Um, he is a uh, he's an atheist who goes around and he challenges these uh, these people who follow this this religion 
to do it. The cat, the cat to magic. Do it. Ch- change into a change into a cat, or or you know, cut yourself and and you know, let's let's see. Let's see. All if they have to, All they and have he's to offering. Do. He's offering um, the equivalent of six thousand dollars to anyone who can actually provide evidence that this stuff is true. I'd start with all the really stuck up people. <laughs> Change it into a cat. Yeah. Who's the snootiest, most stuck up people in this village? Uh-huh. That's 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 who I suspect. Right. Because <laughs> right. your regular, like your good, your happy go lucky people, they're more likely to transition into a dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're friendly. So the um, so <laughs> he he's an atheist who's trying to you know discount this stuff. Um, publicly, he he goes out into like the square, like the like the public square, and he he has a mic, uh, megaphone and he challenges them. I will pay you this. I will pay you money if you can prove to me that that any of this is true. Um, and the reason why he's doing this is because um, the belief is that you actually have to to use human body parts to make some of these charms, and so this actually fuels. Um, like this, this like murder, like a murder culture. Whoa! Like they'll they'll kidnap people and cut them apart to use for these magic rituals. Wow! So this, the, he's not just we think atheist. We think oh, he's just being belligerent, but he's yeah. actually he actually is seeing like Dude. there there is there's damage to this. Um, like ser- like people are dying. That's wild. because of this, and yeah. so he's uh, challenging people to prove that it's true. Mm-hmm. Now, of course. No one has, right? Yeah. <laughs> no one's taken him up on his challenge. Um, but this is uh this this I think this has a little bit of a an, an interesting apologetic um uh, issue for Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um because someone could read the read something like the book of Acts mm-hmm. and we're reading about the apostles doing supernatural works. Right. Um so I was thinking, you know, what what maybe could we um, we say if someone were to if this guy were to say, all right, I'm I'm done making fools of of these people over here in Nigeria. I'm going to come over to America and I'm going to issue the same challenge mm-hmm. to Christians. Yeah, uh, prove it, prove that Christianity is true and that that you can do these things. What what would you what would you say to to someone like that? No, I just say I can't do these things. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So follow up question. <laughs> yeah. Follow up question. You are by your own admission saying you can't do these things. Mm. How do you know that Christianity is true? Because here in the in the New Testament, you've got right. Jesus and the apostles. Even in the Old Testament, you've got prophets who are doing these these miraculous things. Mm. It looks like in the New Testament that Jesus is giving authority to his his church to do miraculous things. Mm. There, uh, there, Luke is writing about it as if it actually happens. Paul talks about miraculous spiritual gifts. Yeah. He can do you know miraculous things. Um, you're saying you can't do it, mm. but you're a follower of Jesus. How do we? How how do you know it's true? How how does that not disprove Christianity? Well, the a miracle by its nature is a defying of what we would call the laws of the universe, mm-hmm. right? 
So the first thing we need to understand is when you look at the Bible, you might think that these things are happening all over the place, and they're not. So you take the, like, what do you, what do you think from the beginning to the end of the Bible? What, what are we looking at? 4,000 years? Well, yeah, if you go all the way back to Genesis, no one right. no one knows. But right. I mean, like yeah, let's like Abraham. You, right. they, we can we can pretty much date Abraham. Right. Yeah, it'd probably be um, what about eighteen nineteen hundred BC. Mm. So yeah, uh, almost four almost four thousand years. So the amount of miracles in that time is incredibly small. Like <laughs> right, incredibly small. Yeah, like rarely ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, by and it's of course that's why we call it a miracle. It's something unexpected, something unnatural, mm-hmm. supernatural, breaking into the natural world. Um, even in the New Testament era, with the apostles and I would say temporary prophets, um, it's still incredibly rare. Even in the Book of Acts, like they're going around all these towns, they're not mm-hmm. doing miracles everywhere. Usually, what they're doing is preaching the gospel. Occasionally, there's a miracle mm-hmm. which validates, but Incredibly rare. Yeah. Even in Jesus's life, apparently there were more miracles than were what recorded. Um, go through, read through the Gospels and count them. The signs and the miracles, um, these are not like something that we should expect. Like it's to tell you something in God's, God has a timeline, right? A story of redemption, as we'd say. And at key points in God's story of redemption, we have miracles. We ought not to expect that to happen. Um, and so we believe what we believe in, you know, kind of our sphere of Christianity. I don't know, there's different traditions, but is that the Bible, when the Bible was completed and the church was established, miracles performed by a, like apostles or a prophet, people mm-hmm. that were gifted with that, um, went away. Yeah. That's not to say miracles never ha- can never happen again, because I do believe miracles mm-hmm. uh, do happen, um, but they're rare, right? They're documented cases of, of medical miracles that, that doctors cannot, that, that, that they can't explain. Right. Like Jeff Durbin's, <clears throat> the baby that they adopted, yeah. is a prime case of that. Right. Right of the inbreaking of God's mm-hmm. miracle working power into our world, yeah. the doctors had no explanation for the baby being born fine, yeah. right? Because everything, all the all the all of their scans and all of their blood work and all that stuff told them that the baby was going to be born um, and be really disabled, mm-hmm. born totally fine, defies all scientific explanation. Right. But so they did, still but happen. It, but it didn't take place because Jeff Durbin went up to the baby and laid right. hands on him and said, be healed. That's right. And I don't think those people those people exist today. Yeah. I think I think the evidence is that when the New Testament canon was completed, like it's shut. We don't we're not waiting for new prophets to give us new revelation. Uh-huh. We believe it's shut. It's closed. We have 66 books. There's not coming any more revelation from some prophet or apostle, nor do people have that type of power that the apostles had, right? Peter walking in Solomon's portico mm-hmm. in the temple. Hey, I don't have money. Here's what I've got. Right. Get up yeah. in the name of Jesus and be healed. Yeah. People don't do that. Mm-hmm. They can't. I don't think anyone's been able to do it since the apostles. And that's because they were empowered in a special way by Jesus himself. Okay. 
And so once the church is established, you know, I think it, it, it does in a way get to the absolute importance and authority of the Bible. If we don't have that stuff to like ramp up our religion, what do we have? Well, we have God's word and that just gets to how special it is. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of be my answer. Is and, and then so I guess one question they might would say was like you, you don't think God can do miracles anymore? Yeah. And the answer is of course God can do miracles. And I think you're going to see them more. <laughs> you know, you'll see you'll see at the end of time uh miracles not working in people's favor. Let's call it that. You'll see yeah. the inbreaking of the supernatural world into this world again, mm-hmm. but it will be in the form of judgment. But you would call it a miracle, I suppose, yeah, because it's unnatural. Mm. It's supernatural. So there's no, hey, do this, and you can't tell God to do something, right? Um, Satan tried to tempt even Christ once like that, mm-hmm. and you don't put God to the test. So, so what do you do with? I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate for you. Yeah. Um, what do you do with the passages in First Corinthians, you know, twelve, fourteen? Um, Paul is describing miraculous gifts, mm-hmm. speaking in tongues, prophecy. Right. I mean his his um, in that whole section. Even even chapter thirteen, the 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 chapter on mm-hmm. on love, it's in this. It's in the context of um, the Corinthians putting. Uh, they're they're elevating the gifts of speaking in tongues and prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with uh, verses where Paul is saying eagerly desire these gifts? Sure, especially to prophesy. Mm-hmm. What what would you? How would you uh, deal with? Uh, passages like that nowadays by saying that that you don't you don't believe and I, I'm with you I don't believe that there are modern day prophets. Mm-hmm. What do you do with those those passages? So those you keep in the context of the timeline of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the church's foundation is still being laid; it's still being built. Right? They're still going around the Roman Empire trying to just plant churches, and they're not they're not there yet. So. As there's no completed canon, there's no New Testament, right? God would speak directly to the people through a prophet, right? And that would minister to the church. And so people were to desire spiritual gifts in that way. And then I think after time had gone by and the the New Testament books were compiled and distributed widely, and then all the apostles died, I think God phase that out. I think you can even see that in the book of Acts. You get closer to the book of Acts, you're kind of seeing that type of ministry. Yeah, Paul's not going around right. everywhere doing all these miracles, right? No, he, he still does some. Like uh-huh. He gets bit by a serpent and all right. kinds of stuff, and people are like, well, you know, and right. then he's able to tell them. Mm-hmm. But... Um, thank you, see. I mean, I, I think that you even get that sense in Second Timothy, yeah, which is is Paul's final letter before he dies, and the emphasis that he puts is—I mean, he doesn't mention miraculous gifts at all, right? Um, for for Timothy, there's there's no there's no evidence that Timothy is working miraculous gifts. He's Paul's emphasis is preach the word. 
Yeah, and there is a sense of which prophecy, the ministry of prophecy continues through God's Word. I'll try to explain it this way. Prophecy has two parts, right? There's foretelling, mm-hmm. and that's where the prophet is bringing new revelation, and oftentimes it's what's going to happen. And then there's forthtelling. Like the job of a prophet a lot of times is to point people back to what God has already said yeah, and hold them accountable. Don't forget the promises of God. Listen to what God has said. He's warned you, don't go down this path. When did he warn you? In prior revelation. Yeah. So they then act as like a spokesperson for God insofar as they are calling them back to God's word. Mm. Um, that happens today. Really, and, and really anyone that has a Bible, I mean, we see it in preachers, right? We stand up and we preach on Sunday. And if you're a good preacher... All you're doing is telling people what God has said. So in that way, that is a spiritual gift because I think not everyone is equipped to be a teacher in that capacity. So if people want to, some people will want to call that prophecy. If they do, I'm not going to get mad about it. But in that sense, you're not going to go up and slap them in the face. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Get that prophecy out of your mouth. I'll agree as long as they nuance it in this that. It, all they're doing is telling people. They're forth-telling. Uh-huh. That, that other part of it is gone. But really, any Christian can do the same. If a Christian goes to another Christian and says, hey, you know, I've seen, you know, in your life, maybe some things that are going on, can I, can, can I talk with you about it and say, hey, here's what God's Word says. You're forth-telling to them what God has already said. Um, and people should desire to, to uh, I think, to know God's word and be able to impart it to others in that fashion. But um, what what if I came up to you and said, Jay, I, I was thinking about you and I see a pirate ship. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to say, nah, that ain't it, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are those people today, right. That think that the, the ministry of prophecy continues. Yeah. And of course I, I, I kind of grew up uh, now the, the, how I grew up around it was really tame because the charismatic world, as you know, is broad. Right. It's kind of like the reformed world. Yeah. There are various mm-hmm. spectrum. So mine was pretty tame, but so I was comfortable in that circle. And once even in college, I went to this uh, this charismatic church. Uh, I think Angie and I went with her cheerleader friend. She had a good friend who was also a cheerleader, and her boyfriend was a football player. Have I told you this before? Uh, I don't know. So we're Maybe. in this. We're in this. Uh, this like uh, I don't even know I don't know what I think it was non denominational charismatic church. This woman comes up to prophesy, and to I'm sitting next to the football player. Angie's there with her friend, and she looks right at the dude, and she says, "You are going to be a preacher. God's told me you're going to be a preacher." And uh, of course, she didn't say anything to me. And uh, so I always tell Angie she was only one chair off. Mm. She almost got it. Got real close. But that prophecy was just off. Yeah. Just off by about three feet. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, of course, did not become a preacher. Okay. And I Here did. you are. And yeah. I did. Okay. So <laughs> But yeah, I don't I don't think that's legitimate. Yeah. That type of that type of prophecy. Mm. Uh, honestly, there are people who who claim to have the ability of some type of prophet, right? I think they're more of like a mentalist. Have you ever seen mentalist mentalists? <laughs> uh-huh. There are people that are hyper observant. They're very yeah. quick witted, um, and I think a lot of times that's what they are. Mm. 
They just or, threw a little Christianity on it. Yeah. <laughs> or they could just be completely wrong and be diluted. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, different people are going to have different things going on in their hearts and, and in their thoughts. Um, so I don't want to make a blanket a blanket uh, observation, but maybe just kind of a... Um, a musing, a George May's musing, <laughs> that people that are are so focused on new revelation and and prophesying and these words of knowledge, um, there might be a tendency to ignore what's already been given. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, I, I look at my Bible and I think I've been a Christian for goodness 30 plus years and i still don't know everything in the bible i'm still there's still parts of the scriptures that are just baffling to me Mm -hmm. i I can't imagine being given new revelation right on top of what i what i already don't uh haven't mastered um that what what do you think about that i mean in in the charismatic background, do you, do you have you seen any of that? Um, this kind of there's God's word, but we need new new revelation to to live our lives. Yeah. What What do you think? So again, of course, there's a, a wide spectrum because mm-hmm. um, you're going to find continuationists that are very Bible centered, mm-hmm. like Sam Storms. In Oklahoma yeah. City, uh-huh. his church is technically it's a charismatic church. Oh yeah, but they're very Bible centered, very expositional. Um, and then you've got even on the Arminian side of it, uh, like what's the guy's name? Brown, um, friends with James White. Oh yeah, that guy. That guy is pretty pretty Bible centered, I think too. Um, he, he tries to stick to solo scripture. So there's a spectrum, but for the, for the majority, uh, it does appear it does appear to me that if people are wanting that type of new revelation, of course it's just anecdotal. If you watch them preach, they can't handle God's word. Mm. Like they're they are terrible preachers. Yeah, they can't open God's word and exegete a passage to save their life. So there's something to that. But of course, what can we say about Baptist? Most of right. them can't open the Bible. Yeah, they're they're not sure. continuationists. Yeah, they're not continuationists, and they still can't open the Bible and exegete a passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So maybe that's why the American church is in the state it is in today. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was that was my funny uh, apologetic story, but I've got a, a more serious apologetics story so where, so just real quick yeah if so, the listener if an atheist comes to you and is like prove god exists blah blah mm. miracles blah here all you got to do is tell them is say hey there's insider info that i've got <laughs> it's this uh you know god exists yeah you suppress that truth mm-hmm. to justify the way you're living your life right and they'll deny it all day long but say no 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 this is the truth, and then you can just tell them this is what God says. Yeah, you are. Everyone knows they have revelation, and they know God exists. You suppress the truth and unrighteousness because you love sin. Mm-hmm. And then that's the end of the 
I know. That's really all you need to do. And then you can get at just to get to the gospel as quick as you can. Right. Yeah. All right. So my uh, I had a friend that sent me this story. Um, oh, wait. Can we clarify something? Yeah. Maybe we should have put this at to, the beginning. What do you need to clarify? <laughs> Last week on Free For All Friday, we were not dressing down one of our church members. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> We I completely not. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some right. people thought well, the whole segment we did uh, was about one of our church members who had an issue with Calvinism, <laughs> and we instead of talking with them privately, we just blew them up on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, not what happened. There were several. <laughs> there were several questions. That was not it. We must have been very unclear I guess, about that. I guess this so. was all right. This was a church member's former pastor. Yeah. That posted this. That's what we were talking about. Our yeah. church member brought it to our attention because they're frustrated <laughs> with yeah. this former pastor. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to start naming names, I think, Jay. I mean, I think once... It, you you may think differently. Um, I'm sure there's... I know there's people that, that think differently. I think as soon as you post something publicly... Right. It's, it's, op- it's open season. Yeah. Like, you're fair game. Mm-hmm. If you post something publicly then expect a public response. Right. So I think we're I think going forward we're going to have to Yeah, maybe we'll so. just have to name names. Maybe so. Um but no, it was it was not a church member. Yeah. It was a it was a previous pastor of a mm. of a church um that that one of our members went to. And their family still goes there. Well, did. Yeah. Yeah, did. Um, and yeah. so they they brought it to our attention because it's kind of a can you believe this? can you believe this guy? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, did. did that just pop into your head? It did, yeah, because I I meant to 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 say that at the beginning. Okay, because um, who knows if people listen forty six minutes in or not? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, okay. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. <laughs> so a friend a friend sent me this um, this morning. This uh, this is a story that came out um, uh, a few days ago. And uh, I found this to be really fascinating. I was really excited when I was reading this. Um, it uh, this is from the Jerusalem Post. It says um, a a quote unquote curse text on an ancient amulet could change the way scholars read the Bible. Mm. And I found this to be really interesting. Um, you can uh, you can pull it up on the screen. There's a picture here. So um, archaeologists in Jerusalem they found this uh, this folded lead tablet. All right, so you can see it here. Um, now, if I had been looking at this, I would have said, "Oh, it looks like a rock." But archaeologists, they uh, they can key into, I guess, certain characteristics of this, and they said, "Look, this is a, this is an archaeological find." They found this folded lead tablet, and um, they couldn't. Uh, it was illegible, and they it was too brittle for them to open it up and and to uh, examine it. So they used this um, this technology that's very similar to um, CAT scans to read this. And what they discovered. Let me see if I can. Uh, man, I've got all kinds of pop ups on here. We've got uh, the words of this are right. Oh goodness, you don't have to keep putting that up there, Larry. Um, it says. Cursed, 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 cursed by the God Yahweh, you will die cursed. Cursed, you will surely die. Cursed by Yahweh, cursed, cursed, cursed. 
It's a lot of curses. As a lot of curses. Ten times the the word curse shows up. Um, two times the word Yahweh shows up, and uh, you might see that and think this uh, this is not valuable at all. What's interesting is the location that they found this. Mount Ebal. Mount Ebal. Now, Mount Ebal is um, where Israel went. God told Moses, when you come into the promised land, half of the tribes of Israel are supposed to stand on Mount Gerizim, and mm-hmm. the other half are supposed to stand on Mount Ebal, and the, the people of Israel on Mount Gerizim are supposed to announce the blessings mm-hmm. for covenant keeping. Yeah. What were they supposed to say on Mount Ebal? Curses. They're supposed to announce the curses. Deuteronomy 11, if you want to go there and read about it. Uh, Oh, Deuteronomy 11 also. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 also. Okay. Um, And then it actually takes place in Joshua chapter, I was just looking at it, Joshua 8, I think. They go into the land. They go into the land. There's some initial, there's Jericho. There's a couple of uh, initial battles. And then they have this this covenant um, ceremony Uh before they- uh, It's like a covenant renewal, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what what archaeologists have found, they found this folded um, lead um, amulet, they're they're calling it an amulet, that has curses on it, at Mount Ebal, Mm -hmm. where Israel was said to have um, pronounced these these curses for covenant breaking. What's even more interesting is that they are dating it to about 1400. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what's what, what's really interesting about this is that they're saying that um, this this written um, this this written these written curses um, the the uh, one of the archaeologists said that he believes the amulet amulet dates to the late bronze two age or as early as fourteen hundred BC and he said this is older than any Hebrew script that has ever been published by at least two hundred years. Mm-hmm. He says that what this means is this is the earliest appearance of the word Yahweh in Israel, and it was found at a covenant site. Yeah, very interesting. So this this is they are they are initial dating this to the time that Israel had this covenant ceremony at Mount Ebal, which pushes the dating for the Exodus and for the the um, conquest of Canaan to the conservative early date. Right. So there's there's two dates that are usually given for the, uh, Which the some, exodus and for the, the conquest. Well, well, some liberals will say that none of that stuff even happened right, at all. Right, right. <laughs> <clears throat> there was never a people that came into the land and conquered the land. Right. None of the stuff happened. They would... I think that most of them think that um, Israel was kind of loose tribes. Right. And there was a gradual immigration yeah, into the land of yeah. Canaan they they kind of took over in this gradual way it wasn't a uh, it wasn't this this um systematic conquest Conquering. yeah and they weren't they weren't unified in this way as a nation right they they came together later and yeah. it moves from it moves from polytheism to um what's it called henotheism i guess where there's like a, a pantheon, pantheon but there's yeah. one god right that they worship above everyone else that morphed into monotheism mm-hmm and so there was this progress. That, yeah. That's what the liberal. That's what liberal scholars yeah. believe. Right. But the and so they they pushed the con, the quote unquote conquest mm-hmm. to a later date. Right. 
Um, the conservative date, the early date, is um, the Exodus is around 1446, 1447. Then if you, uh, if you, add, if you add the 40 years of, of wilderness wandering, you get to roughly 1400 BC, yeah. which is what they're dating this, yeah. this tablet mm-hmm. uh, or this, uh, this amulet, which this is real. I mean, if you're, uh, if, once you really start thinking about it, like this is massive. Yeah. Um, this, uh, this has some <laughs> wide, widespread repercussions. Yeah. It's going to, it messes up the academic world big uh-huh. time. Yeah. Cause there are people who are saying there's not even a Hebrew language at this time. Right. Yeah. Um, this um, says that this uh, this changes our timeline for the Exodus from Egypt and the subsequent entry into Israel. And this this is a big deal. Yeah. Um. This is a big deal because it's um it's just, it's simply affirming what the Bible is teaching mm-hmm. that these things actually happened. Um. It, going further, um. One of the the, the uh, archaeologists that analyzed the text, he said, it is clear that the person who inscribed the text was a genius. He was probably a leader. Mm-hmm. The amulet was intentionally left near this cultic site. Mm-hmm. And then he, he says, my conclusion is that the biblical story of Joshua's altar is a historical fact. Yeah, He doesn't come out and say it, but he's strongly implying that maybe Joshua wrote this. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, this, How many times have you heard though from skeptics that there's no evidence for anything right. in the Old Testament? <laughs> yeah. Haven't you ever heard that? Yeah, like it's this is all something that was made up and written in like the Babylonian exile period. Have you haven't you heard that stuff? Oh yeah, like oh, that, yeah. none of this stuff was written then. Mm-hmm. They wrote this after the fact to understand. Um how they were dealing with being taken away into captivity. Yeah. And so these rabbis retroactively wrote a story mm-hmm. that became our Bible. Yeah. That's the liberal narrative. They say it's all it's a fiction to help people to deal with understanding how they've been given over to well, you know, being taken away into captivity. And the cursings is part of that. Right. And this evidence obviously shows that's not true. But people have spent their whole lives getting PhDs on this stuff. Yeah, what was it? And, it, and this undermines all of it. the the early The early consensus is that there was never a a Hittite people. Mm-hmm. Like archaeologists were, I think there was a consensus. Yeah, that the Hittites did not exist, and it was what fifty or sixty years ago the archaeologists discovered right hittite stuff <laughs> there's there was stuff that um was talking about hittites mm-hmm. uh, there was also what is the weird name given to joseph you remember the name the, the that fa- pharaoh gave him yeah yeah you know they found a seal with that name on it mm-hmm. in egypt yeah well, for years They've been saying there's no evidence for anybody named this in mm-hmm. Egypt's history. This is just fic- this is fiction. Yeah. Oh, surprise. Right. <laughs> here's a here's a seal with this guy's name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? P52. I mean, how many times can they be wrong? P- was it P52? They're saying, "Oh, the, the earliest manuscript of John is like 300 years after the fact." Yeah, and then they find And then they find P52. Mm-hmm. Right. Which ruins everybody's world. Yeah. Um so this uh, this archaeologist 
He says, our friends from the other side of the academic aisle have spoken disparagingly, saying that it was not possible for um, for them to have like the for the writings of the Old Testament to right. be, have been written around that time. Mm-hmm. Like Moses could not have written Deuteronomy because there was no alphabetic script with which to write it. So Moses couldn't have written it because They're, they didn't write. They yeah. didn't have. They didn't have an alphabet. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the discovery of this amulet flies in the face of that. One can no longer argue with a straight face that the biblical text was not written until the Persian or Hellenistic period. Yeah. So the 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 secular the secular um, argument is that they couldn't have written these things early because there was no alphabet. They, right. they didn't have a written they didn't have a written language, so they couldn't have written it. Well, if, if this amulet is actually dated to fourteen hundred. Um, you can't you can't argue that anymore, right? Because obviously they they did, right? Now what's going to happen is that the the uh, the unbelieving scholars, which that we just need to call them that, mm-hmm. like they're they they don't believe they don't believe, so they're they're pagans, right? They're going to say, well, um, this this amulet obviously can't be dated to that because we know. Yeah. <laughs> that there wasn't an alphabet, so they're going to take their they're going to take their presupposition of there's no written alphabet, and they're going to use that to um, understand all this other evidence. And one of the reasons they do that is because the Bible makes prophecies that then come true, right. like the prophecies of Daniel mm-hmm. are like so crystal clear about the immediate unfolding of history, even leading to like Alexander the Great. Yeah. Uh, the leopard of Greece or whatever that mm-hmm. isn't that the terminology? It's a yeah, it's a leopard. Yeah, and it's clear that's Alexander the Great's empire. Mm-hmm. And then you have like even like the book of Habakkuk, and they'll say no because there's no such thing as supernatural. Right, supernaturalism is not a thing. We're naturalist. Isaiah prophesies. Right. Uh, he's prophesied Cyrus by name. Yeah, hundreds of years before Cyrus came along. The prophet in in First Kings that that prophesies Jehos, um, Josiah by name, uh-huh. um, hundreds of years before Josiah shows up. They they've 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 got to take all of that and say that that was written after the fact. Yep, that's what they do because they're naturalists. They right. say, well, when so when could this be written? Well, it has to be after all of that, yeah. and that's why that what do you say the Persian, the Persian, the, the Persian and, and Greek, in, the, in Greek the Greek period, era, yeah. and that's. That is their their presupposition they bring is this is a natural world, supernaturalism does not exist. Mm-hmm. This was written later, and a, and they wrote this in a supernatural way to try to understand the experiences of their people. Yeah. Um, and this really messes that up big time. Yeah, it does. But for us who already believed it, I'll it, tell you what it is, George. It strengthens it strengthens our, our belief even further. It's the judgment of futility. Mm. This is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite judgment that's coming Sunday uh-huh. from Habakkuk. People think I'm, that's weird, but yeah. it's such a weird way for God to judge. Right. It's like He puts man on a ha- like they're a hamster on a wheel. Mm. Like all your efforts are for nothing. Right. That's the ju- that's one of the judgments that's coming Sunday in these five woes. And here's a prime example. You got these people laboring their whole lives to tell you this is reality, and they've they've spent money and all their you know their whole career PhDs they've taught this, and then one piece of archaeological evidence undermines everything. Your whole life was futile. Everything you did was for nothing, mm. and that's how God judges a people. Sometimes, yeah, He makes all of their efforts for nothing. 
So that's a little preview for Sunday. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that when we're looking at um, discoveries like this, this um, really, I think, is more for the, uh, as a judgment on the unbelieving world than for anything else. Yeah. Because uh, the, the discovery of something like this, as even this this uh, archaeologist is saying, and I, I don't know anything about this archaeologist, but he's um, he's talking about you know those who are on the the other side of the academic aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what we're going to see is that they're they're not going to be persuaded that the Bible is true because they find this right, which again is uh, it, it just backs up the the biblical understanding of man that evidence is not going to change someone's heart. You can't argue someone with evidence to suddenly be born again. Mm-hmm. Um, God has to do something supernatural in your life, in your heart, before you'll you'll believe. So I think that evidence like this is just further judgment upon them. God God allows things to be discovered that that coincide and, and back up the biblical text, and they still don't believe it. Yeah. They they won't believe the historical evidence, and it's going to be witnessed against them on the last day. Yeah, that's like what Jesus says, is it to the cities of Chorazin and Bethsaida? Mm-hmm. Woe to you, because if, yeah. if the work's done and you would have been done, Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented. Right. That stings. Yeah, yeah, it does. He's saying this evidence is judgment upon mm-hmm. you. Yeah, just like what you're saying. Yeah. So, but we can, uh, I think that we can read stuff like this and just be like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool right. that they find stuff like this. Um, it, the end of the article, he says that, um, he says, we believe that this this amulet coincides with the biblical events. We talk about verisimilitude. Versim- I'm going to mess up that <laughs> entire word. Verisimilitude a consistency between what we read in the text and what we find in the material culture. Mm -hmm. If the text were true, this is what you would anticipate finding. And indeed, it is what we found. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. I think it's really interesting. Um, uh, What's-his-name's tunnel? Um, Hezekiah's. Hezekiah's tunnel Mm -hmm. was one of those things. They were like, ah, whatever. And then they find it, and they're like, wait, it's exactly what was said. It's exactly where we would expect it to be. <laughs> right. Right. If it's true, you should expect that you're going to find this stuff. Yeah. So they find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. So just some apologetic stuff uh, for us today on this Free For All Friday. Where did Goliath's sword go? That's one piece of uh, old history that I think would be cool to to know what happened to. Because you know that that thing was like some massive trophy. I'm um, sure. Oh, yeah. And the, Can you, know, you just... It, uh, I I was just reading First Samuel, um, the other day, and David goes to the tabernacle and and he's he's fleeing from Saul and he asks he asks the priest, "Do you have any weapons here?" I say, "Well, the only thing we've got is Goliath's sword." Yeah. And so David takes it. Can yeah. you just? I'm just trying to picture David carrying around this massive sword. It's like a great sword. I mean, he's like an he's like an anime character. Yeah. <laughs> Running around with this, <laughs> swinging this big sword. <laughs> You don't want to get near David when he's swinging Goliath's sword. You know, you know, a sword like that just doesn't just disappear. Well, I mean, it's probably in that. Uh, it's probably in that warehouse along with the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Well, somebody took it as a trophy. Yeah. Babylonians. Yeah. Who knows where? Right. And then eventually, the I guess the 
the Persians got it, and then maybe it, maybe then Alexander the Great got it from them, <laughs> you know, and it just it like passed down through time, and yeah, then it, it probably it probably got burned in a fire and it's gone now. It probably it probably rusted or something. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking we're talking three thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Why don't yep. you shut us down, man? We got to turn this thing off somehow. <laughs> okay. All right. We're what are you one, doing? Over, we're over one hour in. Here we go. Okay. All right. There's your music. <laughs> I was I was wondering where it was. All right. Well, hopefully this has been um, interesting for you today as we've talked about uh, we've talked about Will Smith going to therapy. Uh, hopefully that was beneficial for you as we were talking about heart issues and and um, what is really going on with man and what man really needs is not therapy. What he needs is the gospel. He needs to repent and trust in Christ. Then we looked at uh, some apologetics issues. Um, talked about uh, why we can believe that the Bible is true. So hopefully this has been helpful for you and, and uh, do some more digging yourself. Look up this uh, this amulet. It's uh, it's a really interesting story. You can find it at the Jerusalem Post. Um, but if you uh, found this beneficial, make sure to subscribe, like, share, uh, get the word out, and we will see you next time.